My name is Allison Atkinson, and my family and I have been worshiping and growing here at NBC for 16 years. I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and know the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the evil, the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you are extinguished all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. You may be seated. Give us just a minute here. There is something about the name of Jesus. Just love that. I, I think about the realities of that truth, that today I stand here, um, yeah, you know, just with nothing but Jesus. You know, it's his eternal work that allows me to stand in the presence of my God and call him my God and my Father. It's why today I have hope and not despair. Today, because of what Jesus has done, I am able to walk in righteousness, his righteousness. I'm able to call God Father. I'm able to know of God's goodness and not of his wrath. Uh, man, there's something about that name, something about the name of Jesus. It's why we're here today. It's why we worship. It's why we open up the word and we want to hear from God. It's Jesus. He's the reason we come together. He's the reason why we have a sustaining position before God and whereby we call him Abba, Father. It is Jesus. There is something about that name. Very powerful. I was just moved this morning, both services by that, and just being reminded about who Jesus is. Uh, to him be the glory forever and ever. Um, let's pray. Father God, we come before you today, and Lord, I, I come before you and just ask that God, you would uh, move among us and you would speak to us. That Father, we would not be a people that wander about aimlessly in the chaos of this world, but that, Father, we would walk as children of the light. That we would walk in love and righteousness that we have through Jesus. That, Father, we would not walk in ignorance, but that, Father, we would walk in the light of the truth of your word. That, Father, you would speak to us. And as we continue our study on spiritual warfare, Father, I'm 
Uh, I'm so humbled by it. The reality is that, Father, we are in a we are in a warfare. We are constantly about us, Father, one who wants to deceive, one who wants to convince us of of the fact or of 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 this world. They want us to think that, Father, we want uh, of not trusting in you. And so, Father, I pray this morning your Spirit would speak to us. There's nothing I can say, God, that would um, would change a mind or a heart. But Father, I know that in, in Christ, by your spirit, you can move in such a way that Father, you would enlighten and grow and develop us in your son. Lord, um, I pray as well, just go past all my own iniquities, my shortcomings, my, my own sins, God, and just speak to us, your people. Let us grow in, in, in faith. Let us grow in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, hey, didn't we read that verse last week? And you, yes, we did, because we're using, uh, we're using Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20 as our, kind of our hub, where we're, where we're at. We're kind of bouncing from there a little bit. So you, you, may, you may hear that, verse, that passage two or three times. Um, it's okay. Um, you, you can hear it multiple times. It's a verse that we need to be reminded of. Last week, we began to talk about spiritual warfare. And last week, I focused in on the fact that we are in a spiritual battle. You are in a battle spiritually, whereby you have an adversary who wants to deceive you, who wants you to believe that there isn't something about the name of Jesus, who wants you to believe there is something there isn't anything about God and that God's good towards you is not good. That God doesn't care about you. We, we have an adversary who seeks to destroy and those he deceives, he destroys. And those he haven't destroyed, he is trying to deceive. You're in one camp or the other. You've either been destroyed and bought into the deception or you have an adversary who's trying to deceive you. And it's just the reality of the spiritual warfare. It's part of the battle that we are going through, and it's a reality of what we need to understand. So last week, we talked about the spiritual battle that we're in. Today, I want to kind of talk a little bit about the schemes of our adversary. Uh, next week, we'll get started into the armor of God and what we need to be put on, what we need to put on. But today, I really want to talk a little bit about the scheme of the battle. So I want, I want to go back and, if you will, look at verse 10. Uh, of chapter six. We saw this last week. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. I just want to quickly address that. This is a call to arms, if you will. It is a call to remind those believers in light of everything he has written through the book of Ephesus to this point. He's finally, he's like, be strong in what God has accomplished, what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ, as he has established you in Christ. It is a call to arms that we are in a spiritual battle. But at the same time, do not sit there and, and make the mistake that somehow this battle is still open-ended, that somehow we don't know the outcome. The reality is that the battle has already been won in Christ Jesus. The battle's already been settled, and we already know, boy, I just got a huge is there a feedback or something? I got something that just came back into my ear. Maybe it's just me. Um, but if you will, look at that. Because it's echoing back at me really bad. Anyway, sorry about that. But 
Um, so don't make the mistake to think that somehow we have an open-ended battle. And the result of that battle is, is doubt. The decisiveness of our victory has already been won by Christ. We've already been established in Jesus. He's already won that battle in the spiritual realm. And the reality is, is that we as believers must stand in what he's done. We must maintain in our lives. We must preserve in our lives the truth of what Christ has done and how he's established us. And if we're going to win in the spiritual battle and the way that it's already won, the way that we win is by being established and, and standing in who Christ is. You know, we just got a new property and we have pecans trees on our, on our land and it's kind of cool and and Lydia's been going out there and she's been, I mean, we're just getting pecans. She's just rolling those things up and packing them up and we're breaking them up. Here's what's really neat about, about a pecan is when you look at it and you look at the little nut, there's nothing special about it, right? But when you break it up at the very heart of that pecan is this, this little, the heart of the meat is the, is the inner part of it. It's the best part. So when you break that up, you start seeing, oh, this is really why you break it up. It's really good. I love pecans. Anything that pecans go on is good, right? And so I just like, oh, that's really great. Well, when you talk about spiritual battle and you break away the shell and you look at the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter, the heart of the, the spiritual battle is who you are in Jesus and standing in that. You have an adversary. We, we kind of want to go out there and, you know, oh, I walked out. My truck broke down. Oh, the devil's after me. Oh, you know, this happened. The devil had. We live in a sin-cursed world. Things break down. Bad things happen. Uh, there's people in this world who aren't seeking God. There's things that are going on in our world. The reality is, though, in this world, in the chaos of this world, who we are in Christ and standing in who Christ is in us is really the heart of the battle. I'll, I'll tell you, like I told the first hour, I'm probably not going to say anything today that you don't know already. But I am going to challenge you. I am going to encourage you. I want you to understand the spiritual battle. And the reality is that we're not to be comfortable in this world. The reality is that this world has methods and there's things about it to deceive us. And the fact that we are in a spiritual battle and this victory has already been one is there's a decisiveness in our situation compared to what we were. What do I mean by that? In other words, who we were before Christ and who we are now, there's a decisive difference. And how we walk, how we live, and who we are is in so important to understand that. Now today, I'm gonna, I did a little something a little different. We don't have any slides, okay? And we're gonna go look at passages. And if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, I'm gonna tell you to turn there. Okay, we're going to do the old, old school way here for a little bit today. If you have your phones, you're going to do the same thing. Just mark it down because I want you to know where some of these passages are. I don't want to just put it on a slide and you read it and you go home and you forget about it. I want you to know where these passages are. I want you to know about the truths of God's word so we understand. So we'll, we'll be kicking off from Ephesians 6 and, and, and there's, we'll come back to it. But there's some other passages we want to understand I want you to look over in chapter 2 of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it talks a little bit about where we were before the decisiveness. He says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 2, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walked, 
stop there for a second. What, Paul, what is Paul saying to the believers? He said, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You see, the picture was, and, we've, and I've talked about this a lot, probably gonna talk about it a lot in the future because I want us to understand the reality of what we've been redeemed from and where the victory is for us. When Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, humanity was plunged into sin and death. And Paul is saying, you were once dead in your trespasses and sin. And once you were in bondage, you were separated from God and you were in the domain of darkness, you were in, in the bondage to sin and death. And that's in the way that you once walked. And we as believers are redeemed, bought out of, that's why it talks about we were once in the domain of darkness, but now we're in the domain of his dear son. We're in the light of his son. We have been redeemed and given life because of what Christ has done. So Paul is reminding them, this is who you once were. He said, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. Who is he talking about? He's talking about our adversary. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about Lucifer. He's talking about Satan. We have those names for him. But he's talking about our adversary, the one who wants to destroy us, who wants to deceive us. And if he hasn't destroyed you, he is trying to deceive you even today. There are probably things that are pounding on your life that are just coming in that are constant. You may not even realize it's trying to distract you from the truth of God. It, it, it can be good things. It can be things that, that there's nothing wrong with, but your passions for it become so overwhelming that you lose sight of what God is doing in your life. And in the, in the course that we once walked, that's all we knew. That's what Paul is saying here. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. These were, this was the condition in where we were. We did not obey God. We did not care about what God said. We lived for our own passions, our own purpose. Paul continues on, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by children uh, by, were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were once ones who conducted our lives in, in the passions of our flesh, in the desires of our bodies, the desires of our mind. Sounds like our world, doesn't it? Can I just be honest for you for a moment, with you for a moment? We live in a culture, we live in a time where it's all about ourselves. We become the center of the universe. We become the center of everything. We, it's about my choice. I remember as a kid, I lived like literally where my house was. I walked across the field and there was a McDonald's. You remember what they used to say? You deserve a break today, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, that's, there's a, you know, there's a, have it your way. That was the other one, yeah. But anyway, you deserve a break today. I remember as a kid, oh yeah, we deserve a break. You know, you come, you get $1.26. With $1.26 in that day, I could get a cheeseburger, small fry, and a small Coke, right? And man, you got $1.26, I was headed across there. I didn't deserve a break. They didn't care about my break. You know what they cared about was my money. And that's all they cared about, right? And, you know, and I bought into it. Yeah, I deserve this. I, this, is, this is me. This is what I, this is, I deserve this small cheeseburger, small fry, $1.26. And then you know what they did? They raised the price. And you know what I did? I didn't walk away. I went and found the extra money. I was enslaved. And when we begin to live 
in the passions of our flesh, the desires of our mind, and the desires of our body, we become enslaved to those desires. We are no longer ruling our lives. What's ruling our lives is a passion of the flesh, the desires of our minds, the desires of our bodies, and that begins to rule in our lives. And dear people of God, We deal with that in the church. Let's not even go outside there. Let's talk about it in the church. We begin to decide who God looks like, what God should look like, how are we supposed to gather, and you know what? We quit thinking about what God does. What what are we doing? We're living according to the passions of the flesh. We've got to guard our hearts, not that we be deceived, because that's how we once walked, but we don't no longer walk like that. We walk as children of the light. We walk after Christ and the passions of our life becomes him. The desires of our life is him. There is something about that name, right? There's something about that name. And some of you might be sitting there going, yeah, there's something about that name because it brings up old memories, but when you walk out the door, you probably don't think about Jesus again during the week. There's something wrong with that as a child of God because we're his people. And as his people, we no longer move about in the passions of the flesh. We move about now our passion is the will of God. It's what God is calling us to, what God's moving us to. You see, here's the reality of something to understand is the reason we're in a spiritual warfare is because it reminds us that we've been liberated from sin and death. And we have an adversary who wants to suck us back into that bondage of sin and death. That we would begin to follow after those passions. And the fact that there's a spiritual battle reminds me I have been liberated to walk in the freedom that I have in Christ because I've been made alive by the work of his son. To God be the glory, to him be the praise forevermore. You see, when we begin to walk after him, we were no longer in that old life. We need to put it off. And when you go back to chapter six, yeah, go ahead and flip back over there. When you go back to chapter six and verse 11, he says, put on the whole armor of God. This idea of putting on, it's an imperative. It speaks of our responsibility to put on God's armor. Not our armor, armor, but God's armor. I don't care how disciplined you are, you don't have enough discipline to conquer. I don't care how much resources you have, money in the bank, property, land, whatever. I don't care, you don't have enough. I don't care how intelligent you are, how crafty you are, how smart you are. I don't care how many degrees you have, you don't have enough to conquer. You only conquer when you put on the armor of God. And it's really important to understand that that we need to put on God's armor. And it stands in contrast in this verse to what we're fighting. He says, put on the whole armor, God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That we're to be putting on his armor, and we're gonna look at that beginning next week. We're gonna put on the armor of God that we might withstand those schemes. I want you to understand something. They're not the same. There's two different sides here. In the contrast, the armor of God is not the schemes of the devil, and the schemes of the devil are not the armor of God. There's two different sides. That's why sometimes I can stand here and I will tell you 
When I see people who are saying, hey, God and I are doing great. God is, God is wonderful and all, and yet they are conducting themselves in a lifestyle that is not reflective of God. I can stand there and say, I don't think it's in a good shape. Because there's a difference we are not called to live after the passions of our flesh. We are called to live after the will of God in our lives. And that's often characterized by obedience. We don't like that. We live in America, right? We do our own thing. We get, you know, the little speed thing that tells us there's radar so we can go as fast as we want because we want to go fast, right? We do everything based on a lot of our passions, the clothes that we choose, the, the lifestyle we choose, we choose, we we, we decide after the passions of our flesh. And yet God has put us in the world that we might walk in the will of God, that we would have the ministry of reconciliation, that we would live a distinctive life in the middle of a world of chaos. In the middle of darkness, we would be light because Christ is the light of the world and he's in us through his spirit. So it's really important to understand the contrast that is going here. In fact, the word schemes there it's kind of interesting. A lot of different words were used like cunning, cleverness, deception, crafty methods, trickery. But it really has the idea of, of methods. It has that idea to, to kind of follow up and, and, and investigate kind of in, a, in a, a determined plan or a settled plan through which cunning and deception is involved in order to deceive. And it's something that is done intentionally in our adversaries a master at it. I uh, started going to our youth group that we had just down the road from our church. Got in there, and our our youth group played a lot of pranks on each other. It was it was just it was fun. We just played a lot of pranks, and it started getting where it was kind of girls and doing pranks on guys, and guys doing pranks on the girls, and different trips and on. And I remember this one year, <clears throat> uh, the girls played a prank on us guys. Got us really good, and in fact, it was in my room where I was staying. They were able to pump some smoke into the room, so we're waking up and thinking the whole room's on fire, right? And, uh, and, the, and what followed was pretty funny, at least if it wasn't happening to you, right? And so um, they played that prank. Well, I remember my my whole thing was I'm going to get even, right? Because I'm going to I'm walking according to the passions of the flesh. I got to get even. Um, so I began to plan, and I remember there was four of us that were involved. We, we began to plan this, and we spent a year and a half making our plan of our retaliation. Yeah, the best retaliations always take time. <laughs> and so we began working, and we kept it within just the four or five of us. And so we had a trip coming up, and it had been about a year and a half, like I said, and we waited because we knew they would have their guard down. And so we had this trip coming up, and the four of us, volunteered to drive the cargo van that had all the luggage in the cargo van. I mean, everybody's luggage center. No one was allowed to put it on the bus. It all went cargo van. So the four of us got in there. I remember other people were trying to get in the van. We're like, no, no, we're full. No place to sit. It's just us. So, <clears throat> so we started on the trip. Well, we had already planned ahead, and we brought some baby oil. And, and what we would do is we would open up the girl's trunk, and we would get out the shampoo, and we'd pour a little bit out. We had containers to hide it, and then we'd pour baby oil in its place and then perfectly put it back and close it up. And uh, what was interesting was this one other guy at the last minute came with one of our friends, one of the four of us, and so he got in the van, and it worked out because he was really good at 
breaking locks because some of the girls' suitcases had locks. So it was a God-ordained uh, plan, as I figured, you know, after that, you know. And so anyway, we did that, and we worked it out. We got there, and the next morning, we're all sitting down. We didn't even tell the college director. It was just four, the five of us, really, that knew about it because the fewer people that know, the better the opportunity because the goal was to get to make this done and, and help them to not, or they would not ever know that we did it. So we're working through this. We had it all planned out. So the next morning we're sitting there and the college director's, you know, waiting like, where's everybody at? Where's all the girls? You know, all the guys are sitting there. We're waiting, you know, and we're making jokes about how hey, we're usually they're waiting on the guys. No. So here comes the girls and they start walking down into the, and their hair is just like, and it was, you know, I was, we had to be good actors, too, because we had to act surprised, like, oh, what happened, you know? And I remember they were saying, well, when I poured the shampoo out in my hand, it was kind of separated. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's just the altitude. That, that's what separated the shampoo, you know? Well, how come your hair isn't like this? And we'll, we use bars of soap, and then that way we don't have to deal. I mean, we had them convinced. I mean, we were, we were like, hey, this, we're going to make this happen, Right. And uh, then we had one guy got wind of it and went and told him, dar, you know. So then I was in trouble again. So, you know, I tell that story, and here's the reason why. I took a year and a half of a lot of detail to pull off a prank, and our adversary is much better at it than I am. He's willing to wait when you least expect it. He's going to be willing to hit you in a way that is unfair, that is uncaring. And he will deceive you if you don't understand the spiritual battle you're in. That's why Paul says there in verse, in verse 12, for we do not wrestle. I know I'm saying wrestle, okay? I'm not saying wrestle or whatever the other way. When I was wrestling in school and I got into these mass matches and people tried to correct me, I said, have you been out there wrestling? I mean, you are wrestling. There's no, nothing else about it anyway, so... You don't have to come up and correct it afterwards. I thought I'd just say this. I've, been tried to, I've had people try to correct me many times. But anyway, nevertheless, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Understand that that word is like a contest between two. And the endeavor is to throw one down and to literally hold them down by their throat. And Paul's saying your, your battle is not against flesh and blood. At stake is more than just being thrown on your back and pinned to the floor. Far more is at stake. And Paul lays out before us when he says, for you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the uh, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. He's laying this all out, and our battle is against those. In fact, in, sometimes in counseling and marriage, you know, there's a point where sometimes you have to get them just to look at each other and you have to get them to say, you are not my enemy. You are not my enemy. Because it's so easy to start thinking that other person. It's so easy to start seeing the focus as being them. No, it's not. The picture is that there's a spiritual warfare going on and there's an adversary out there that wants to destroy us. That's why in the body of Christ, you know what? You may have odds with someone in this room this morning, but you want to know something? They are not your enemy. If our adversary can 
disunify God's people and our God. There is one God, one spirit, one Lord, one Father over all, in all, through all, right? If that is true and, he, and, he, and our adversary can divide us and we forget that our battle isn't a spiritual battle and we start battling in the flesh and we think our battle is flesh and blood, we are deceived. And the name of Christ isn't proclaimed. And all of a sudden it isn't about the will of God in our lives. It's about my bitterness and it's about my anger. It's about my, my being upset and I've been offended. It's about not forgiving. And I can carry that out into all these things. It could be passion whereby now you're beginning to look elsewhere other than your spouse to be satisfied because you think somehow the passions of your flesh will be met there. And that's deceptive. It's a lie of our adversary. You're in a spiritual warfare, dear people of God. He wants to convince you that all of these other things is more value than doing the will of God and learning to look at that spouse or look at that, that other believer and saying, I forgive you, I love you. You are not my battle. And I'm not gonna let my adversary win. It's real silent, but this is a good place for an amen, just in case you weren't sure. Because you know what? This is our battle, dear people of God. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I've always been amazed about this, verses 3 and 4. Of 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. And Paul's speaking here. Paul's been accused of preaching a gospel that was only for the spiritual elite. And so the others were going about and they were changing up the gospel to kind of meet the way that they thought it should be should be addressed. And so Paul responds and he says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of, of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Man, that blew me away that our adversary can literally blind those from seeing truth. And how does he do that? He does it with unbelief. He does it when, when we hear the gospel and we turn from it, not believing God's goodness for our lives, not believing his redemption for us. He does it to believers when we, when we begin to turn away from the truth of the word, that the joy of the Lord is my strength, that Christ is the one who sustains me, Christ is the one who keeps me. And we turn away from that, believing that these other things provide for us rather than the truth of who Christ is in us. And we begin to become blinded. Here he's talking about those of unbelief, that they were blinded, that it's a veil to those who are perishing because of unbelief. And the, and the adversary, our, our adversary, Satan, he continues to hold over the world and he blinds the gospel because he's trying to deceive those. He's using the current mindset of the world. He's using the ideas of the world. He's using the opinions of the world and the goals of the world and the views of the majority to deceive us. It encompasses our, our, our philosophies, it encompasses our education, it encompasses our commerce, and we begin to believe those to be true rather than the things of God to be true. And so what we do is we begin to start adjusting this book to make it fit what the majority thinks or what others think. And dear people of God, that is the path to deception. 
It's a path that leads to destruction. And I'm, I'm beseeching you and I'm calling on you and I'm, I'm crying out to you, do not be deceived. To stand firm in who I am in Christ. That God's truth, God's word, wait till we get into the armor of God and we talk about putting on the belt of truth. Woo! Man, I, you guys bring your ear, ear deals that day, maybe your must that way, because I'm gonna be excited. Because it's his truth that keeps me from deception. It's his righteousness that keeps me from pursuing the passions of my flesh. It's gonna be important to know who we are in Christ, that we don't allow the philosophies and the ideas and the mindset of this world to deceive us. And that's why it's important to be aware of the battle, to beware of the one who's trying to deceive us. Flip over a few pages to chapter 10 of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses three through five. Paul continuing, he's talking about this battle. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging War according to the flesh. How important is that? Uh, yeah, I'm walking according to the flesh. I have this body of flesh. But I'm not waging a war against the flesh. I'm, I'm in the world. I'm of the world. And that, that I live here. But my weapons are not fleshly. They are the word of God. It's prayer. It's understanding who I am in Jesus. And it's standing firm in those truths and not being deceived. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging a war according to flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. I love this passage because it reminds us of the strongholds that are about us and that anything that it lifts itself up in opposition to God, that we bring them down in the truth of God's word. And no longer do those strongholds, those thoughts, those ideas, those philosophies, those false religions that are used to resist God's plans and purposes, no longer do they have a place in our life. No longer do they have a place for us. For we are a people that stand in who we are in Christ. The wisdom of this world, as 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, I think it's 3, verse 19, is literally the idea of the pretension of wisdom. There's this idea where in this world it pretends that there's wisdom and it puts up the wisdom of this world against the wisdom of God. And people are drinking the Kool-Aid. Should break our hearts. We haven't been called out of the well, You know what? I'm gonna be out of time, so I'm gonna say a bunch of things real quick and y'all hang in there. We get so distracted with so many things. I mean, I mean, whether it's political, whether it's social agendas, whether it's our work, the accumulation of resources, Popularity, wanting to be well-liked. We, 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 we push those things in our lives. And, and you know what? In the process, we push Christ out. Those are strongholds that our adversary uses in our lives to deceive us. And God forbid that he would continue. God forbid that we would let him continue. 
that we would stand in the righteousness of Christ. This idea that it refers to any act of, of a human act or attitude that forms an obstacle to the message of the gospel of Christ and keeps people in the bondage of sin. We, we've got to set that aside. In fact, I love one person described because, you know, so many times we look at it individually of bringing every thought captive. But literally it's the idea of a military endeavor where in the midst of the military, it's in, a, it's in an enemy territory and it's bringing down any hostile involvement or tack towards it in order to gain victory. And we are in this world ambassadors of Christ with the message of reconciliation, with the truth of the gospel. And we're in the midst of this world and we're bringing down strongholds. We're bringing down the things of this world that they might know of Christ, that they would have an allegiance to Christ. And dear people of God, if you're living your life and you're just comfortable in this world, you're missing it. There is an opportunity, there's an opportunity everywhere you are to overcome in Christ Jesus. Whether it's in your, in your clubs or your, your activities in your workplace, there's people who don't know Christ, who are, who are not listening to the truth of the gospel, and you have it. And you must live a life that is distinctive because we're no longer of those people who live for the passions of the flesh, but we live for the will of God. And there's a distinctiveness in our lives. And when we talk about spiritual warfare, we want truth that overcomes the problems of the world. Well, you know what? Spiritual warfare isn't gonna just end the problems of the world around us. The spirit, problems are still gonna happen. My truck's still gonna break down. I, I hate, I hope I don't walk out the day and my truck doesn't start. <laughs> But things are still gonna happen. But the truth of Christ will ring forever and ever and ever and ever. That is what we have in this world. And we need to live a distinctive life in who we are as Christians. I'm out of time. The other passage would have been 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Look at it later. Verse 2 says, so as to live for the rest of our time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Amen, amen, amen. That's who we are. We're his people. Dear people of God, stand firm in the power of his strength. Put on the whole armor of God. Let me read these last verses. We've read them already once or twice today. We're gonna read them one more time. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And then the strength of his might, dear people of God, I'm calling you, be strong in Christ. Be strong in, this, in the power of his might. Don't be deceived to think that he's not strong. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, to stand in who you are in Christ, to stand against the schemes of the devil. For when you resist him, he will flee from you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Though Christ has given us victory, to him be the glory. Christ has given us victory. We will stand, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, that day when you begin to doubt, that day when you're discouraged, that day when you're wondering if there can be anything else. In that day, you will stand having done all 
to stand firm in who you are in Christ Jesus. Now we're gonna close the service here right now and um, I'm not even asking anybody to come up to play or sing and here's what I wanna do. I want you just in the moment that we have, I'm gonna just give us a quiet moment. And just between you and your God, I just want you to take a moment. You see, we gotta listen to the proddings of the spirit in our life. Maybe there's something he's been prodding at you about and you've been ignoring it. You need to, you need to bring that out before him. Just do that in prayer. Maybe you've been getting distracted at work. You need to just acknowledge that between you and God, that he may restore that in your life. Maybe you've been distracted and living for what you want and not really giving much thought to the will of God in your life. And just pray that God's spirit would instruct you. So let's just take a moment in the quietness of the moment and then I'll close this in prayer and we'll be dismissed. So go ahead and let's pray. Maybe there's somebody that that you're at odds with and you just need to restore that. Maybe you've been seeing your spouse as an enemy when they're not. Maybe you just need to grab their hand and put your arm around them. Maybe Maybe you've been holding bitterness and grudges against another believer. Maybe lately you've been putting your trust in someone else, something else, a job. Just clean those things out. Lord, may your spirit move over us, whether we're here or watching online. And may your spirit, Father, touch us. Let us not close those doors to the things that we've been ignoring, that have been stinking up our lives, Father. It's been, it's been uh, distracting us. Let us, Father, be, be pure and let us be righteous because you've made us righteous. And let us draw those out to the light. Healing never takes place in darkness. It always takes light and takes, healing takes place in the light of your truth. So Father, just in, those, in these moments right now, speak to your people. Set us apart, dear God. Purify us. Give us hearts of obedience, hearts of, that thirst and long for you. Father, move our passions from the things of this world. And Father, that our, that our desire is your will, that we would be passionate about you. And speak to us, Father. Let us not continue in darkness. Enlighten our hearts, enlighten truth in our lives. Strengthen us, Father. And those that are standing, do not let them grow weary and standing, oh God. Strengthen the knees and the, and the arms. Let us stand firm in, in Christ. 
that we might glorify you, Lord, that we might lift you up. To you be the glory and the praise forever and ever. Oh God, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the ruler of all things. You are our redeemer. You are our God. We stand in your grace and in your mercy and we praise your name and we glorify you. Oh God, you are blessed. We bless your holy name. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen.